0: In London's Holloway jail, a matron, two doctors and several warders enter a
1: woman's cell. The doctor tells the prisoner,
0: I'm going to feed you by force.
1: The warders hold down the inmate while the medic prizes open her mouth with a steel gag.
0: Pushing a metal tube down her throat, he pours in liquid from a tin cup.
1: This was the punishment meted out to suffragette Emily Davison, imprisoned for protesting for women's right to vote.
0: My name is Mark Zakian and I'm joined by my Blue Badge colleague and creator of the Women Inspire website...
1: In this episode, we are looking at women in protest.
0: From a pregnant mother thrown in jail for printing pamphlets to women murdered by a Manchester militia army. From the first person to raise the anarchist flag to the rural vicar's wife who became the mother of India.
1: Hear their stories in this podcast. Early one morning, a bunch of paid thugs broke down the door of Mary Overton's house.
0: Dragging Mary and her six-month-old toddler.
1: Headlong upon the stones, through all the dirt and mire of the streets.
0: Mary was thrown in prison.
1: Where she miscarried and lost a baby. Her
0: offence?
1: Publishing a pamphlet.
0: Mary and Richard Overton were civil rights activists
1: who published dozens of leaflets campaigning for the separation of church and state, public education, freedom of speech and a People's Bill of Rights.
0: As a result, they spent their lives persecuted by the authorities.
1: They started their secret press at Bell Alley, at the edge of the City of London in the 1640s.
0: Publishing under the satirical pseudonym of Marjorie Mar Prelate, Printed at Thwackcoat Lane at the sign of the Crab Tree Cudgel.
1: Calling out church leaders as war scoundrels and mocking the English army as a troop of buffoons who ran away from Scottish housewives.
0: When the House of Lords seized their printing press, the Overtons went underground.
1: Working alongside John and Elizabeth Lilburn as part of a movement known as the Levellers.
0: Named after rural rebels who flattened hedges to protest their land being enclosed and identified by their sea-green scarves or ribbons.
1: They campaigned for voting rights for all adult males, annual elections, religious freedom, an end to censorship and the abolition of the monarchy and the House of Lords.
0: As a result, the Lords waged a campaign against the levellers
1: who were also shunned by the House of Commons and its leader, Oliver Cromwell.
0: Who they viewed as another tyrant, just like the king he had deposed.
1: In a dawn raid in 1646, musketeers stormed and ransacked the Overton Southwark home, pulled Richard from his bed and dragged him into the House of Lords for questioning, then had him thrown in Newgate Prison.
0: Where Richard continued to write while Mary managed the printing press.
1: Until she too was arrested and hauled in front of the Lords, their records stating...
0: She would not answer to interrogatories, so shall stand committed to the prison of Bridewell for her contempts,
1: there to remain during the pleasure of this house. When the city marshal tried to remove her to the Bridewell, her husband remembered...
0: No sooner had this turkey-cock marshal heard of her uprightness to the commons of England, but up he bristled his feathers and looked as big as a bug as a lord. Out he belched his fury and told her that if she would not go, then she should be
1: carried in a porter's basket or else dragged at a cart's arse. The marshal sent for two porters to move her, but they refused to touch her.
0: poor little harmless innocent woman with a tender babe at her breast.
1: When they eventually managed to throw her in the bridewell, Mary's infant was removed. She languished in prison, her three days for contempt stretching to months of indefinite imprisonment.
0: Concerned for his family, Richard drafted the humble appeal and petition of
1: Written with his wife's help, this petition begged Parliament either to charge Mary with a crime and bring her to trial or to release her from custody.
0: Presented to the House of Commons in March 1647, the petition of Mary Overton is one of the earliest records of a woman active in political protest.
1: After her baby died, Mary wrote a second, shorter petition for freedom, a passionate appeal for liberty and justice. I arrived at about one o'clock and took to higher ground so I could hear the proceedings more clearly. To my utter astonishment, I saw a troop of Yeomanry cavalry without the least provocation or cause on the part of the assembled crowd, ride furiously over the people, footing and splashing with their sabres, right and left, men, women and children.
0: This is the harrowing testimony of Mary Fields, a speaker at a peaceful protest for voting rights that took place at St Peter's Fields in Manchester on the 16th of August, Eighteen nineteen.
1: After this dreadful havoc had commenced, I was violently assaulted by a special constable. He struck me down with an heavy weighted truncheon. As I lay on the ground, it continued to strike me.
0: Mary was the leader of the Manchester Female Reform Society, and, as its figurehead, was targeted by the police and authorities.
1: The constable wrenched out of me hand a pocket handkerchief with which I was wiping the blood from my forehead and made the most dreadful oath yes, do before do putting do the handkerchief in his own pocket.
0: It's almost certain that that constable had singled out Mary.
1: My ears were then assailed by the voice of the trumpeter of the yeomanry cavalry. With the most horrid oaths, he was ordering men belonging to the troop to cut away
0: the Manchester and Salford Yeomanry was formed to stamp out protest, recruited from mill owners, shopkeepers and insurance agents, all harbouring a deep hatred of the reformists.
1: In a state of exhaustion, I attempted to make me escape from the horrid carnage that was presented on every side. I had only stepped a few yards when a violent sabre-blow was directed at me head.
0: Mary only survived because
1: The sabre-blow was warded off by the truncheon of a constable who happened to know me.
0: The militia continued to assault Mary. One eyewitness reported seeing her hanging suspended by a nail which had caught her white dress, slashed across her exposed body by one of the yeoman cavalry. The merciless militia slashed their way through the protest. Mary witnessed them attack an old man.
1: Making me way through the crowd, hearing with horror the shrieks and cries of the dying and wounded, I saw an aged man fall under a sabre blow, inflicted on his head by one of the Yeomanry cavalry. The poor man's grey hairs on the lower part of his head were drenched with blood.
0: Mary ran for her life.
1: With difficulty, I made my way home from the scene of slaughter and was so injured that I could not leave me room for more than a fortnight.
0: Several female protesters, mistaken for Fields, were beaten up, arrested and detained without charge.
1: Mary hid in the Manchester Mills area, where she continued her campaign for justice.
0: One of the many men and women protesting crippling rents the imposition of martial law and a lack of the right to vote.
1: Manchester, with its population of 150,000, had no Member of Parliament. In
0: 1821, Mary travelled to Westminster to demand justice for the protesters and their cause. She told Parliament...
1: If it was possible to portray the countless acts of outrage I witnessed... The house would shudder at the dreadful tragedy. I cannot refrain however from calling the attention of the house to a small portion of the deliberate cruelty which it was my art-rending lot to witness.
0: 18 people including a two-year-old boy were killed and 700 injured at St Peter's Field.
1: Among the dead were four women protesters.
0: Margaret Downs,
1: sabred by the militia.
0: Mary Hayes, a pregnant mother of six,
1: ridden over by cavalry. Left disabled and suffering from daily fits, she died giving birth prematurely.
0: Sarah Jones, mother of seven children,
1: beaten on the head by a special constable's truncheon.
0: Martha Partington,
1: thrown into a cellar and killed.
0: Mary Fields continued to protest for working people's rights and lived to see
1: the Great Reform Act of 1832, which finally gave Manchester parliamentary seats and the city elected its first two MPs.
0: The St. Peter's Fields Massacre became known as Peterloo, the shameful day when people lost their lives at a peaceful demonstration for votes for working people.
1: In one cottage, I found four generations sleeping in one room. The great-grandfather and his wife, the unmarried grandmother, the unmarried mother, the little child. And three men lodgers completed the tale of eight human beings crowded into that narrow, ill-ventilated garret where rheumatism and ague lived with the human dwellers.
0: Words that shaped the life of Annie Besant.
1: One of the most famous and infamous women of Victorian Britain.
0: Annie grew up in South London.
1: When she was five, her father died of TB. Annie was educated by her mother and a governess.
0: Deeply religious, aged 20, she married Evangelical Lincolnshire vicar, Frank Besant.
1: But instead of settling down to be a tea-and-cakes wife of a rural pastor,
0: she made regular visits to the parish poor.
1: Annie's independent spirit put her in conflict with her controlling and violent husband.
0: Following an argument, she packed up her baby daughter and returned to London.
1: And became a single mother living in poverty.
0: Annie struggled with her faith.
1: No-one who has not felt it knows the anguish inflicted by doubt on the earnestly religious soul. Is this all blind chance, or are we the toys of an almighty power that taunts with our agony?
0: But she realised that her true mission was a worldly one.
1: Go and walk through the east of London, or the back streets of Manchester find inspiration in the wounds of men and women dying in the England of today.
0: She had found her calling, becoming a popular speaker, journalist and editor, and atheist campaigner.
1: With radical reformer Charles Bradlaugh, Annie published Fruits of Philosophy a controversial book arguing that working-class families could never succeed unless they were able to control the size of their families.
0: Bradlaugh and Besant were arrested and put on trial for publishing that book.
1: Annie defended herself at trial and was found guilty.
0: But avoided prison when the case was thrown out on a technicality.
1: But the trial cost Besant custody of her child.
0: When her husband persuaded the court she was unfit to be a mother.
1: In 1888, Besant heard about the terrible working conditions of the Match Girls at the Bryant and May factory in East London.
0: With women labouring 14 hours a day for a wage of less than five shillings a week.
1: And many were suffering from Fossy Jaw, a cancer caused by the yellow phosphorus they dipped the matches in.
0: When the women formed a Match Girls union, Besant agreed to become its leader and helped them win a battle for better working conditions.
1: During this period she read a book called The Secret Doctrine
0: and was taken by its philosophy, attempting to reconcile ancient Eastern wisdom with modern science. Theosophists believe they are guided by Tibetan masters and Annie came to think that she'd been a Hindu in a previous life.
1: She befriended the young Mahatma Gandhi who was training to be a lawyer in London encouraging him to value Hinduism, and she travelled with him in India.
0: Annie had found her spiritual home. She moved there to campaign for its independence, writing,
1: India is not ruled for the prospering of the people, but rather for the profit of her conquerors, and her sons are being treated as a conquered race.
0: She encouraged national consciousness, attacked caste and child marriage, and worked for Indian education.
1: India's British rulers seized Besant and put her under house arrest.
0: But she defiantly flew the red and green flag of Indian independence above her roof.
1: The people protested and she was released.
0: In 1917, she took over as president of the Indian National Congress for a year.
1: Besant died on the 20th of September 1933 aged 85.
0: It may still have been British-ruled India, but her body was cremated like millions of Indians through time.
1: Her journey from reluctant vicar's wife to the mother of India, complete. In July, 1888, 1,400 women walked out of the Bryant and May match factory
0: protesting against the terrible working conditions at the East London sweatshop.
1: Girls young as six worked there.
0: Toiling for up to 14 hours a day, in hot, airless rooms, given only two short daily breaks.
1: Violence and abuse were commonplace, with foremen bullying workers to go faster.
0: The pay was poor. As one match girl recounted,
1: we earns eight shillings a week.
0: That's £40 in today's money. Most men earn five times that.
1: And we gets fined for lots of little things, like talking, dropping matches, going to the lab without permission, or having dirty feet. And they shuts us out of the factory if we is late.
0: One girl was docked half a day's pay for allowing the material to twist around the machine to stop her fingers from being cut.
1: The foreman told her... Never mind your fingers, wash the machine! Annie Besant campaigned for the Match Girls.
0: Writing in the national press,
1: Who cares for the fate of these wage slaves? Born in slums, driven to work while still children, undersized because underfed, oppressed because helpless, flung aside as soon as worked out. Who cares if they die or go onto the streets? Provided only that Bryant and May shareholders get their 23%.
0: Besant led a deputation of Match Girls to Parliament calling for a boycott of Bryant and May.
1: She was castigated in the Times newspaper. The pity is that the Match Girls have been egged on to strike by irresponsible advisers. No effort has been spared by those pests of the modern industrialised world to bring this quarrel to a head. Bryant and May claimed that their factory was clean and safe, at the same time forcing workers to sign a statement that they were happy with their working conditions.
0: A group of women refused to sign. They were sacked.
1: This galvanised the match girls to go on strike.
0: One of them saying...
1: It just went like Tinder... One girl began and the rest said yes, so out we all went.
0: Match production stopped for 16 days. The strike finally ended when Bryant and May agreed to stop filing workers for being late, end deductions from wages to pay for equipment, and to recognise a union of women matchmakers.
1: Despite this victory, the match girls could not escape from the curse of Fossy Jaw.
0: In the 19th century, yellow phosphorus was added to matchstick heads, making them easier to ignite.
1: The demand for the new Strike Anywhere matches was enormous.
0: But exposure to phosphorus caused match workers' gums to develop a greenish-white glow, causing bleeding abscesses, facial disfigurement and brain damage.
1: If a worker complained of having toothache, They were told to have the teeth removed immediately or be sacked.
0: Serious cases of what was known as matchmaker's leprosy completely destroyed the jaw which had to be removed.
1: Bryant and May refused to rehire workers who had had the operation. Saying a woman
0: missing half her jaw would frighten the other workers.
1: In 1852, Charles Dickens wrote about this fossy jaw in his weekly magazine.
0: Annie Brown is 20 years of age, of pale and scrofulous aspect. She went to work at the Lucifer factory when she was nine years old. She could smell the phosphorus at first, but soon grew used to it. At night, she could see that her clothes were glowing on the chair where she'd put them. Her hands and arms were glowing also. On uncovering her face, her lower jaw is almost entirely wanting. At the side of her mouth are two or three large holes. The jaw was removed at the infirmary seven years ago.
1: Poor Annie was just one of hundreds of sick match girls.
0: One in ten was struck down by Fosse Jaw.
1: And Bryant and May workers continue to suffer until they stopped using yellow phosphorus in 1901. And in 1910, the government finally banned this toxic workplace killer. In June, 1913, in front of thousands of spectators, one of Britain's most important national events was stopped in its tracks by a shocking act of public protest.
0: At the Epsom Derby, a lone woman walked into the path of galloping horses. What happened next stunned
1: the nation. Her journey to this act of self-sacrifice had an unlikely beginning.
0: How did a governess and teacher become a radical activist?
1: Emily Wilding-Davison grew up in a middle-class family.
0: She studied at Royal Holloway College Founded in 1892 to promote education for women.
1: Only a couple of decades earlier, women were barred from universities.
0: When her family finances deteriorated, she was obliged to take work as a governess.
1: But carried on studying and won a first-class degree at St Hugh's College, Oxford. At
0: university, Davison met campaigners for the women's right to vote. And in
1: 1906 joined the radical suffragettes who, frustrated that years of protest had changed nothing, embarked on a militant campaign of explosives and firebombs.
0: They were viewed as terrorists and hated by the establishment.
1: Davison was a leading protagonist at a protest known as Black Friday.
0: When 300 women marched on Parliament.
1: And were met with a six-hour onslaught of police brutality as they were groped, pinched, battened, beaten and sexually assaulted.
0: All this was covered up in the official police report.
1: 117 women were arrested, including Emily, who was charged for breaking windows.
0: And was banned from the Palace of Westminster.
1: But this would not stop Emily.
0: On the night of the 1911 census, Davidson entered Parliament and hid in a cupboard in St Mary's Undercroft, the chapel of the Palace of Westminster.
1: Where she stayed overnight to avoid being entered onto government records and listed by the state.
0: The authorities spied on the suffragettes and deployed special branch who used photo surveillance to monitor them.
1: Davison was imprisoned nine times for breaking windows and burning letterboxes.
0: During a six-month spell in Holloway Prison, though she was not on hunger strike, The authorities force-fed her as a form of legal torture.
1: Her jaw levered open with forceps, a tube forced down her throat, and a concoction of milk and eggs poured in.
0: They did this to her 49 times, twice a day, every day. She recounted in a letter...
1: A warden held each hand down on the arm of the chair, gripped my head and forced the tube down my nostril. It hurt me very much. A feeling of suffocation and sickness followed.
0: For the rest of her time in Holloway, she was surrounded by the screams of her fellow suffragettes as they were force-fed.
1: In protest at the treatment, she threw herself over a prison balcony, cracking her skull and bruising her ribs.
0: But Davison had a protest in mind that would capture the nation. In 1912, she said,
1: The glorious and inscrutable spirit of liberty has but one further penalty in its power, the surrender of life itself. That is the last and consummate sacrifice of the militant.
0: She was set on a path to history.
1: Emily bought a train ticket to Epsom.
0: Ascot, Derby Day. All society was there, including the king and queen.
1: Emily waited for the horses to round the corner.
0: In her hand, a vote for women sash.
1: Then ran out with purpose and threw herself in front of the king's horse.
0: She was taken to hospital in a coma.
1: And so could not read the hate mail that was sent to her, including this spite-filled note. Miss Davidson,
0: I am glad you are in hospital. I hope you suffer torture until you die, you idiot. I consider you a person unworthy of existence in this world. Yours, an Englishman.
1: Emily never recovered. She died aged 40.
0: Her funeral in London was attended by tens of thousands of supporters.
1: Five years later, women over the age of 30 were enfranchised. And finally, in 1928, all women were given the vote.
0: In the summer of 1892, London police raided number 19 Fitzroy Square.
1: This respectable, stuccoed Georgian townhouse was home to the international school.
0: Teaching French, German, English, music, drawing and sewing.
1: But rather than pianos, pincushions and paintbrushes...
0: The police found bombs in the basement and shut the school down immediately.
1: The school was run by Louise Michel who escaped to London after fighting on the barricades in defence of the Paris Commune.
0: Her little language school had become a hotspot for anarchy in the UK. She claimed
1: ignorance of the bombs. So how did they get there?
0: Michelle was the illegitimate daughter of a French serving maid, made pregnant by the son of the aristocratic owner of Chateau de Vincourt.
1: Little Louise grew up at the chateau with her mother, Coddled by the Lord and Lady of the House, whom she called Grandfather and Grandmother.
0: She was a lively, mischievous girl with an altruistic spirit.
1: Who hated suffering, giving away her possessions and the money her grandfather gave her to the poor.
0: Louise qualified as a schoolteacher and moved to Paris where she embarked on a life of radicalism.
1: And in 1871 was at the heart of the Paris Commune a revolutionary government that seized power in the French capital.
0: She was a key figure in the armed struggle against the oppressive French government,
1: saying, With my rifle under my coat, I am a savage, all right. I like the smell of gunpowder, but above all, I am devoted to the revolution.
0: But she found the chauvinist attitudes of her Communard brothers frustrating.
1: Many times during the Commune, they did not want to have to contend with a woman.
0: She challenged her comrades to
1: play a part in the struggle for women's rights.
0: The Commune governed Paris for two months, implementing local democracy, reduced rents, the abolition of child labour
1: until the French army suppressed them killing or executing over 10,000 communards.
0: Michelle was tried by military court along with thousands of others.
1: Charged with trying to overthrow the state by force and armed rebellion.
0: She dared the judges to sentence her to death, saying,
1: It seems that every heart that beats for freedom has no other right than a bit of lead, so I claim mine.
0: Michelle was transported to the Pacific island of New Caledonia where she befriended the local Karnak people, learned their language and taught the children of fellow deportees.
1: When amnesty was granted to the Communards, Michelle returned to France.
0: Her revolutionary fervour undimmed, she attended the Anarchist Congress in London in 1881, speaking to huge
1: crowds and visited the suffragette Pankhurst family making an impression on a young Sylvia Pankhurst.
0: During a Paris demonstration of unemployed workers, carrying a black banner, she led 500 rioters. This was the first recorded use of the anarchist
1: flag. And was sentenced to six years of solitary confinement for inciting looting.
0: After an attempt to commit her to a mental asylum, she fled to London to escape French police surveillance
1: where she opened her international school and was a friend to radicals, exiles and revolutionaries.
0: So who planted the bombs in the basement?
1: The finger points to the school's assistant, Auguste Coulon, who was later unmasked as a police spy. In 1916,
0: a woman was transported from a Dublin prison to the city's royal barracks
1: to face a court-martial
0: A countess and daughter of a baronet, born a stone's throw from Buckingham Palace and presented at court to Queen Victoria She
1: was charged with
0: Conspiring to organise and promote Fina Erin for the purposes of committing murders of the military and police carrying and using arms, and the training of recruits for the Irish Volunteers. When asked to plead, she replied,
1: I do not recognise this court. It is not constituted legally, not being based on the authority and will of the people of Ireland, but on the armed force of the enemies of the Irish Republic.
0: She was found guilty of all charges and sentenced to death.
1: So why did a woman born into British aristocracy take up arms against her country and become an Irish freedom fighter?
0: Constance Booth was the daughter of an adventurer Anglo-Irish baronet who owned the large estate of Lizardale House in the north of County Sligo in Ireland.
1: Brought up in enlightened privilege, family friends included poet W.B. Yeats who wrote a poem for her describing her as...
0: A beautiful gazelle.
1: Her father gave food to his tenants during the famine of 1879 and Constance inherited his concern for the poor.
0: To her family's dismay, Constance determined to train as a painter and studied at the Slade School of Art in London.
1: Where she became involved with the women's suffrage movement.
0: Continuing her art studies at the Académie Julienne in Paris, she met her husband, Ukrainian count and artist Kazimir Markiewicz.
1: Constance became a focal point of the women's suffrage movement in Dublin.
0: A dynamic and humorous public speaker who fended off chauvinist hecklers with smart comebacks.
1: If women are so incompetent, why has there never been an outcry against our woman queen?
0: She spoke at a Republican Brotherhood demonstration where 30,000 people protested against King George V's visit to Ireland.
1: And attempted to burn the giant British flag taken from Leinster House, which landed her in jail.
0: She became a lieutenant of Arm Cathartha Naharan, the Republican Irish Citizen Army.
1: Markowitz designed the ICA uniform and composed its anthem.
0: On Good Friday, 1916, the ICA leader, James Connolly, ordered the start of the Easter Rising.
1: The post office station and City Hall were occupied and the ICA cut Dublin's transport and communications links.
0: Constance and her ICA platoon occupied St Stephen's Green Park, where she was caught up in fighting that saw the wounding of a British Army sniper.
1: Following days of intense combat, the Republicans were driven back in a series of violent street battles.
0: Markowitz's garrison held out for six days.
1: Until the arrival of British reinforcements ended the siege.
0: The British forces lost 120 men, with some 400 wounded. 60 members of the Irish Citizen Army were killed and over 180 Dublin civilians died during the siege.
1: Constance and her ICA compatriots were taken to Dublin Castle, where she was the only one of 70 women prisoners placed in solitary confinement.
0: At her court-martial, Markowitz told the court,
1: I went out to fight for Ireland's freedom, and it does not matter what happens to me. I did what I thought was right, and I stand by it.
0: She was sentenced to death, but the Prime Minister intervened. The government did not want to execute a woman.
1: The court recommended mercy solely on account of her sex. The sentence was commuted to life in prison.
0: When told of this, she said to her British captors,
1: I do wish your lot had the decency to shoot me.
0: During the following days, she heard the sound of the firing squad as her friends were executed including a political mentor, James Connolly.
1: Markovitz was transferred to Aylesbury Prison in England in July 1916. She was released the following year.
0: At the 1918 general election, Constance was elected for the Dublin constituency of St Patrick's as one of 73 Sinn Féin MPs
1: making her the first woman elected to the United Kingdom House of Commons.
0: However, in line with Sinn Féin policy, she did not take her seat in the Commons.
1: She was elected Minister for Labour in the Irish Parliament, becoming the first female Cabinet Minister in Europe.
0: A radical revolutionary and campaigner, Constance's best epitaph is her advice to women fighting for freedom and justice.
1: Dress suitably in short skirts and strong boots. Leave your jewels in the bank and buy a revolver. I wish the government joy in its efforts to get this money from the people of Poplar. Poplar will pay its share when Westminster and Kensington do the same.
0: The words of Minnie Lansbury. During September
1: 1921. ...walked past cheering crowds to Poplar Town Hall...
0: ...where she demanded that the police arrest her.
1: ...an act of radical defiance against the crippling and unfair rates levied on London's poorest borough.
0: Minnie Glassman was born in 1889 in East London.
1: Growing up as one of seven children in a Jewish family.
0: Her name Minnie, meaning rebel in Hebrew...
1: Her parents fled poverty and persecution in Russia, coming to East London.
0: Minnie's father was a coal merchant who was beaten up several times for being Jewish.
1: Minnie attended the Jewish Free School. With 4,000 children, it was one of the largest schools in the world.
0: At the outbreak of World War I, she married Edgar, son of social reformer and Labour Party leader George Lansbury.
1: After working as a teacher, Minnie joined the East London Suffragettes, alongside the movement's leader, Sylvia Pankhurst. And in
0: 1919, the Suffragettes won a change in the law, allowing some women to stand in elections.
1: And Minnie was elected on Poplar's first Labour council.
0: Poplar was one of the most impoverished places in the country, with one in four in dire poverty.
1: With slum housing inhabited by entire families living in one room.
0: The new Labour Council set a radical agenda to deal with these problems.
1: Building new public housing and forcing slum landlords to improve their properties.
0: Offering better maternity care and child welfare.
1: Investing in council baths and washhouses. Most working people had no washing facilities at home.
0: Because poplar rents were low it had to impose high rates on its poor residents to bring in the same money as wealthy boroughs.
1: And the council was forced to pay surcharges to central London government for police, water and the workhouses, where lots of poplars poor ended up due to their poverty.
0: And with unemployment benefits paid from council funding, the poor were keeping the poor. In
1: 1921, Poplar set a low rate of four shillings and four pence instead of six shillings and ten pence, refusing to hand over the London surcharges.
0: The councillors were summoned to court and told that they had to pay the rates or go to prison.
1: They stood firm.
0: And so, supported by the people of Poplar, Minnie and her fellow councillors were jailed.
1: Where they continued to govern with the women councillors escorted from Holloway by car to Brixton Prison to join the men for council meetings.
0: The popular popular cause won the day and the councillors were released.
1: And a new system where the wealthier council areas paid more than poorer ones was put in place.
0: At a celebration rally at Victoria Park, Minnie said
1: I look forward to the day when preventable misery and economic injustice is no more.
0: But weakened by her time in prison, Minnie caught pneumonia and died in 1922.
1: Though she gave up her religion, she was buried in the Jewish cemetery in East Ham. On her grave is written, If Minnie's there, it's heaven.
0: The East End has never forgotten
1: Minnie. Penny cards were bought by local people to pay for her memorial.
0: The Minnie Lansbury clock, which was installed in the 1930s on Bow Road. In
1: 2008, the clock was repaired.
0: An actress, Angela Lansbury, the daughter of Minnie's husband Edgar Lansbury from his second marriage, made a generous donation for the restoration.
1: And in Parliament Square, Minnie's picture is part of the Suffragette Memorial.
0: Suffragette Sylvia Pankhurst said of Minnie,
1: She knew the district and people. She was their advocate and got the best she could for them. Minnie realised that we humans are all alike and that the most we could get for our poor was much less than we all need for social equality. This Extraordinary Stories of Britain podcast was written by Mark Zakian and co-hosted with Laura Adams from Women Inspire. The music was by Scott Buckley, www.scottbuckley.com.org. For more information about the series, visit www.storiesofbritain.com.